The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage and a Wall Street alum and most recently named Entrepreneur 100 Women of Impact. And I'm here with my co-host Mita. Mita. Hi everyone, I'm Mita Malik. I'm a business leader, a diversity, equity, and inclusion executive, and most importantly, a working mother. And she's a lot of other things, but we'll get into that. And certainly you probably know already if you've been listening to the podcast. But here's the deal. Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces from my perspective as a Black woman and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. Um, At our table, we unpack it all. We won't leave any juicy details out. We talk about the juice and we celebrate here as well. And then we provide you with tips that you need not on how to survive, but how to thrive in organizations. So that's the skinny. And now over to you, Mita. What are we talking about today? All right, Dee, we're talking about one of our favorite topics, which is how to get the feedback you deserve. I know so many of women of color face this. I have stories for hours, as does Dee, and we've traded a lot of voicemails, audio messages, dinner conversations on this topic of the lack of feedback can be so detrimental to one's career, so detrimental to one's career. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much we could talk about here. And I I know this topic does speak to a lot of women. And, and, you know, we share here on the podcast through stories because that's really what it is about. It's about our real lived experiences are the greatest content for this social learning experiment. It's like this virtual social classroom. But Misa, let's start with a story. You always have the juiciest stories. Well, I got stories for days, Dee, but this story I will share is about my ambition, interest in being promoted at the time to a senior manager role. And in many companies, as you know, many large organizations, promotions will tend to happen around the same time of year. And so I knew when the promotion cycle was, I had been very open speaking to my manager. These are my intentions. And so, of course, along the way, I'm looking for feedback. What can I be doing differently? How is this landing? How am I doing? And the response from this manager, he would just keep saying, keep doing what you're doing. How many of us have heard that? Keep doing what you're doing. All good. Just just keep doing what you're doing. And then it comes time for promotion and promotion cycle, and I don't get promoted. And almost eight months pass by, and I don't get promoted. And then it is through 360 feedback I'm getting feedback on what I could have done differently. But eight months passed by. And oh, by the way, this wasn't feedback this manager gave me. He went to others to try to get feedback on me, to try to understand why I hadn't been promoted. But D, this is what is so devastating for so many of us. It's you ask for feedback, you don't get it, and it starts to derail your career because nobody is telling you honestly what are the things you have to work on, and we all have to work on things. So a couple things. So I, I love the story and here are my, my initial thoughts. 
So one, we ask for feedback with the expectation that the manager leader is competent and knows how to give feedback. When in a lot of instances, they may not have that skill set. And so when you hear keep doing what you're doing or the new language, I mean, again, in some of the industries that we work with, like tech is a very adolescent industry. We've gone into companies and we're we're told, you know, D, the oldest person here is 35. So the feedback sounds like from a 35 and under, oh, you're killing it. And they think they being that generation, that's the feedback. So that's really what I would share as the first tip, just understanding that leaders, managers aren't all created equal and they may not have the skill or the competency. So for allies tuned in now, it's, you know, uh, no shame, no shade, I like to say, but understanding, you know, the language. And, you know, I'm going to talk about that maybe in another episode or a little bit later, but let me come back to this. The second thing about getting feedback is asking the right questions. So I wouldn't say that you ask questions, how am I doing? Ask questions at very strategic intervals of projects completed or projects in progress, let's just say um, at the end of meetings, at the end of a big deliverable. And the questions may sound like, you know, what would you say with the top three or highest value of this project? Or or what does this mean, our team or our group? uh, What does this mean to the enterprise? So really having a broader conversation about the value of a task, of a project, of a deliverable, asking it in a larger context first about our team. Does that make sense, Mita? It does make sense. And you know, one of the things, Dee, I learned from that experience is exactly the advice you're giving is that ask detailed questions if you are working with a manager who is not comfortable, competent in giving feedback. So for example, I just finished a presentation to the C-suite, walking out. How did the presentation go? Did you think I did a good job answering the questions? How do you think the proposal landed Because this is what I heard in the room. So I started to get, after that experience, I was like, this isn't happening to me again. I was very clear about, okay, I'm not just going to say to your point, how's it going? How am I doing? But be very specific. So I love that piece of advice on the type of projects. And that way, for someone who's not comfortable giving feedback, they are less likely to say, in the words of DC Marshall, you're killing it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that's how you really get the feedback or begin to get the feedback that you really need. And I think there's another aspect of this in, you know, going back to a job description, a role description can give you language. And so I think now I'm talking to the managers and the leaders here because we've done this training in tech where we've had to do training tools and resource guides for managers who were really uncomfortable. They didn't know how to manage. They're young, they're young 20, young 30. And I gave them the cheat code and the cheat code is go back to the job description for the person and use some of the language there if it syncs up. So if they were hired and on their job description, it says, you know, design and deliver high level marketing, blah, blah, blah. You know, you could use that language and reference points say, you know what? Part of your role is, was to deliver high-end marketing, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, I really think 
you came in at a seven and now you're delivering at a nine. You're at a 10. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Okay, so Dee, here is my question for you. And it's from the point of view of those leaders who are on their journey to be a better ally. And if you are a woman of color and you are the lonely only on your team, we know that there are leaders who don't feel comfortable for many different reasons, giving women of color the feedback they deserve. What say you, D, to those allies listening? Yeah, I think for allies, this would be the one instance or one of the instances to act proactively. So when the performance appraisal process is beginning as an ally, that should be an indication. Here is a place where I have opportunity because people of color in general, you know, don't always get the feedback. So having a conversation, raising that up in leadership meetings and or offering yourself as a, you know, a sounding board or if there's any discomfort among colleagues, I do think that allies can raise their hands, raise the conversation, you know, really amplify that this is a place where feedback will be needed. And with regard to details and um, specifics, I think allies could help folks be sensitive to not enough feedback or overly critical feedback that wouldn't be the baseline for white male counterparts. So those are some of my thoughts about where allies could really jump in when they know performance appraisal process is coming. And even along the way, to be quite honest, an ally can even show up, let's just say at the end of a project, allies can say, you know, I'm going to just offer some feedback or offer some insight. You could show up and share. Here is what went really well. And each person on the team, here's what you contributed. Ally could show up specifically for a woman of color and say, you know what, here's what you do really well. Here's Here are the two things or the three things I think you do really, really well. And if you want additional feedback, feel free to ask. I'd be happy to share. I love that feedback. I love that advice, Dee. I want to get into something juicy because we always do this at Brown Table Talk. This whole idea about radical candor, radical feedback, 
And so if we flip it and we say, I am the individual as a woman of color who is giving the feedback to peers, upward, to my team, I don't think I have the privilege to show up with radical candor. I don't think I do. I don't think it's the same as, let's say, white colleagues doing it. I just don't feel like it is going to be received in the same way. So what do you think about this whole notion of radical candor? I think you're absolutely right. I think some of the baseline benchmark advice and insight as it pertains to business, when it does not really, I will say it is exclusive. It does not include the frame and the lens of a person of color. And I'll be quite say honest. Say that again, and- Dee. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> so much of baseline and or best practices that exist right now in corporate America is not written nor researched nor validated through a multicultural lens. And so one example of this, Lean In and Sheryl Sandberg, while that might have been an amazing message for women, she's doing great work in the organization leanin.org. That's all well and great, except It did not speak to nor for Black women or about Black women. And so my point, you asked the question, Mita, about not feeling comfortable as a woman of color using the same best practice, such as radical candor, because as a Black or brown woman, it doesn't land the same. We have too much more at risk. We are judged differently, evaluated differently. And I'll say as a Black woman, we often tiptoe and, you know, we don't really largely buy into imposter syndrome. We, in sidebar, that has been a realization in this year. Black women have said, no, imposter syndrome is not our stuff. But I will say that we often tiptoe around and it's, it's, you know, white fragility. So we don't feel comfortable. And so my point is with Lean In and Sheryl Sandberg, that was great stuff. It just wasn't, it did not speak to or for Black women and, pro- and women of color. Because to your point, Mita, we don't have the luxury of so much of the framing that is not considerate of when we show up. And I think Minda Hart, you know, shout out to Minda. I think part of, you know, her work helped to really kind of balance that out. So I love her, love her work and what she's doing. What say you, my friend? This is why we started Brown Table Talk, because these are the conversations we've, we've had with each other for years, and we want everyone to have a and Mita they can come to and go to. And this is what we do at our table, is to talk about these things through the lens and experiences of women of color. Because like you said, a lot of things right now, historically and currently in the marketplace, are still not speaking to us. So everyone, it's now that time during the episode, we talked a lot about how to get the feedback you deserve and DNI cannot close out without leaving you all with five tips on what you can do to get the feedback you deserve. Number one, we talked a lot about D, which is ask the specific questions to get the feedback you deserve. So when you listen to my story and my general, tell me how I'm doing. How's this going? Is it good? If you're not getting the feedback you deserve, ask those specific follow-up questions. And number two, something I have been practicing in my career is give to get. 
So give others feedback when you feel comfortable doing it, because the more you give feedback, you'll find that individuals are willing to then give you feedback in return. So Dee, I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you got a powerful three, four, and five. That's right. And so number three, ask your peers for feedback. If your boss is not equipped or just doesn't give you feedback. In fact, even if your boss does provide feedback, number three, ask your peers, ask them questions. What do you think went really well with that? Or what would be the top two or three takeaways from this contribution? I mean, you get it. And then number four, give feedback to yourself and be self-aware. Yep. Record yourself. Use your, you know, I use and I advise everybody, use your voice memo on your phone at the end of a project, at the end of of a day, uh, at the end of a meeting, go and just download top three takeaways so that you have that. And then you can share that with your boss. And then that helps your boss to agree, disagree, or even tease out or uh, to hone in, uh, right? Because you're helping them help you. Number five, hold leaders accountable. And so if you know that you have not received feedback in a year, in six months, you should ask for feedback. Now, certainly you should ask along the way, but at those intervals, you should definitely ask, haven't had any feedback, would like to get your thoughts, insights, opinions on how the work is going, how I am delivering. And then another conversation could be, and then how I'm delivering based on what I was hired to do. So that's my three, four, and five. Mita, back over to you. Thank you, Dee, for closing us out with those amazing tips, our five takeaways, and that's it today for Brown Table Talk. Thank you so much for joining us, for spending your time with us. And if you enjoyed our conversation, please provide a like, a share, a comment, share with your community, and we will see you next time. 